This is the Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Welcome back to the Hot Stove. Gary Hill, Shannon Dreher with you as we get a chance to visit with the pride of Portland. It's Cooper Hummel, the newest <laughs> Mariner with us. Cooper, it's great to have you here. Thanks for the time. We really appreciate it. Great to be here. Happy to happy to be with Seattle. So how excited are you to be a Seattle Mariner? Oh, uh, it, I, it's a dream come true. I mean, I grew up with the Seattle Mariner logo painted on my bedroom wall, the teal baseboards, Navy wall. I was uh, a diehard fan uh, growing up. I mean, uh, so to, to put the, the colors on and put the uniform on is uh, going to be really special for me. I'm, I'm very excited. So to kind of complete the picture, you are an Oregon native that you grew up in Lake Oswego, it sounds like. And how did the yep. Mariners come across your radar? What's your what's your first memory of them? Oh, man. Uh, so I was born in Portland. We actually moved up to Seattle for a year. Um, I actually remember going to the kingdom. I have this vivid memory of being in the kingdom uh, with an, a white Alex Rodriguez uh, player T-shirt. And I wore that thing until it had holes in it. I mean, I'm telling you, like, it was like three sizes too big. I was like two or three um, and then wore it. And, yeah. And, until it was ratty and just my mom just threw it out because it was it was so old. Um, but, yeah, that was like my first vivid memory. Um, but, yeah, going to games growing up. Uh, I mean, it just T-Mobile, not well, Safeco Field is what I know it as but I can't say that anymore. Um, so T-Mobile is like one of my favorite ballparks, just like total fan experience. And, um, you know, just being there is, uh, is just special. I don't know how to describe it. Who were your favorite guys growing up? Uh, Ichiro was my favorite player. Uh, I loved watching Griffey, uh, but you know, he was gone by the time I like really was appreciating baseball. Um, so those early two thousands players, the, the Mike Cameron's, the Ichiro's, the John Olerud, Jay Buhner, um, those were the guys that I followed. I had, I mean, I'm telling you like every player t-shirt we, my mom, my mom and dad just moved recently and they were pulling old boxes out and I've got, you know, a Jamie Moyer t-shirt an Ichiro t-shirt, Kenji Jojima. Uh, yeah, I, I had the whole lot, uh, Freddie Garcia. Yeah. But Ichiro was my guy. Uh, I loved watching him, loved the way he played. <laughs> great to play, great to watch him and uh, pretty cool that I'll get a chance to work with him this spring. Who were you when you were a little kid in the backyard? Which which player were you out there? Oh, I was Ichiro. I would do his uh, you know, the bat the bat pointed at the pitcher, straight, you know, straight up and uh knees close together. Oh yeah. I, I would try to mimic it as best as I could. Uh there's no one quite like him. Uh I, I attempted the Griffey. Uh, the the waggle is in there, but it's not the same the same sweet swing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, your story is pretty remarkable. You've got to tell us about when you were in high school. You don't have to name names, but your junior varsity coach, what the baseball coach said to you when you were in high school. <laughs> Basically, so freshman year, I was straight up told I'll never amount to anything in baseball. Literally to my face. And I was like excuse me, you know, as a, as a freshman in high school, going into sophomore year, like that's something that you're like, you know, it, it kind of breaks you. But yeah, I was told, you know, you have to give up switch hitting. You're not big enough. You're, you're just not, you're just not going to do it. You're not going to make anything of it in baseball. And I, I left, I went to the rival high school the next year. Sophomore year was really good. 
Um, that coach actually came up to me the next year and was like, okay, I I've kind of made a mistake. Like he ate his own words. Like I'm good with him now. It was a very interesting situation, but yeah, I won't name names, but it was, it was quite a, quite a situation when I was told I would never amount to anything in baseball. Those words have stuck with me every day. It probably, you know, and in, in what you have chosen to do as a profession, it's not the easiest thing. And, and you can be kind of dealt with that day in and day out. That is something that you have to face. Getting that lesson early on, how did that prepare you for the journey of becoming a big leaguer? Yeah, I mean, it kind of started earlier than even high school. Like, I felt like it happened in Little League. I was, the you know, the shortest kid on the team, had to fight my way. Like, I was... I was talented and I tried, you know, I was a hard worker, um, you know, even from when I was little, um, my dad always joked, he fed the monster as much as he wanted to be fed, meaning he would go throw balls for an hour, you know, two hours if I wanted to hit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was the shortest one, you know, so we were with the all-star team. I wasn't always the one playing all the time. So I had to find a way to get on the field more, um, you know, in high school being told that. And then, um, even like later in high school, like when I'm like, I'm raking my junior and senior year. I'm like uh, a first team all state. I was player of the year for our, our league. And I had college coaches basically be like, you're not big enough to play college baseball, division one baseball. You're not good enough. Like Santa Clara's coach straight up told me like, you don't do anything well. Like you're not, you're not special. Like you don't do anything above, you know, what another guy does. You need to be 30 pounds heavier. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know if we just watch the same game, but like, I, I'm a junior senior in high school and I'm like hitting balls off the wall. Like it's, it's nobody's business. Like, why don't you get me into a strength program in college? I, I don't know. Like I always believed in myself, but you know, it just took one guy to give me a chance. And even in college at UP, um, you know, things happen. I was dealt a, a bad hand a little bit. My freshman, sophomore year had to fight for more playing time. And, um, you know, even in the minors, like different things have happened. And I don't think anything for me has ever been handed to me and it's I'm very blessed that it's been that way mm. because it wouldn't make me the player I am if it wasn't because of that you know I've had to fight for different things in pro ball I was inactive for 40 games my first year in pro ball I thought I was getting released and here I am <laughs> how much do you appreciate where you are right now given everything you've been through to get here oh I mean I I appreciate it you know it more than I can even express. Like this is, this is all I wanted to do since I was, you know, three years old, you know, when you're in preschool and kindergarten and first grade and you do that, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a one, two, and three, you know, whatever it is, baseball player, major league baseball player was always on there. You know, the other two would always change, but major league baseball player was always on there. And it's all I wanted to do. And so um, to be able to say that I've accomplished that is one thing, but to, you know, continue to have it be my profession and make it, you know, even bigger is like, that's the end goal. It's like, keep it going. Um, there's a lot of appreciation, but I know that, you know, job's not done yet. Mm. You know, we got a, we got a lot of, a lot of more story to write. And that story is going to be written now in a Mariners uniform. I, I can't even imagine when you heard the news, the trade was to the Mariners, but uh, what are, what are some of the conversations you've had since? Uh, I mean, you know, friends and family are beyond excited that I'll be up there. You know, as far as like from a coaching's perspective and uh, stuff like that, it's just, you know, uh, really looking forward to getting on the field together and, and working together. And then, you know, the the end goal is a World Series. I mean, I think that's that's discussed amongst all players. It's discussed amongst coaches, um, you know, where the goal is to win. 
And so uh, whatever each one of us can do, including myself, to help the team win, uh, that's kind of all that matters. You're really interesting when you look at everything you do defensively. There's not many guys that can do what you do. Outfielder, catcher, you've done a little bit of everything. What do you consider yourself? Uh, I I kind of say just catcher, outfielder, uh, if someone asks. Sometimes I joke, oh, I'm a super utility guy. Like I, <laughs> I do it all. You just give me a glove. You know, I, I didn't do a lot of first and third base last year. I've done it in years past. It's definitely something that if, you know, if my number's called and they say, hey, go to third, like, I'll do it. Uh, I would like to take some ground balls beforehand and not just get thrown out there. But, um, yeah, but like I, I, I've done it since I was little where I was just like, I don't care where I play. I just want to play, mm. you know? I want to help the team win. I want to I play. I hate losing. I, it just Something about it just drives me absolutely freaking nuts. And if me playing a position is going to help us win, that's all I care about. And I love to hit. So if the more times I get to to hit and if that means I got to go play, you know, if I got a DH or play second or third or first or left or right catch, like I'll do it. I don't know if you want me a short, but, but <laughs> I, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> Mariners have a super infield infield coach, but I don't think you're going, I don't think they'll go there. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I think JP's got that locked up. <laughs> Okay, so you moved all your stuff from the Diamondbacks facility over to the Mariners facility, and we are just itching to get down there. I mean, if we could get on a plane and be there tomorrow, we would. Uh, if we did, what would we see? What has the scene been at the facility since you've been there? Uh, uh, until, you know, beginning of last week, it's been just me and uh, Sam Haggerty. <laughs> no one else has been here. And Haggerty and I have been working out, hitting, getting our lifting in. Yeah, other than that, it's been silent uh last week cal raleigh showed up uh matt brash uh trevor gott's been here a little bit a buddy of mine with arizona uh, jb bukoskis just uh showed up this week after he got picked up off waivers so uh, it the clubhouse is filling up a little bit more and but yeah just a bunch of guys getting their work in and uh you know trying to get ready for season uh tomorrow we got some bullpens going on it's kind of cool we got me cal and hags um hitting right now together and uh, just picking each other's brains trying to you know three switch hitters trying to figure out uh, each other's swings and what, you know, what one thing we can build off of it. You know, you spent your first time in the big leagues last year. What did you learn about yourself during that stretch in the majors? Well, I learned, I need to, you know, take it easy sometimes, you know, I I'm a very high energy guy and I've known this about myself in the past, but like when I'm at my best, I'm calm, cool, collected, like not caring, I know that sounds really bad to say you don't care, but like you're doing your job and you're just, you know, out there having fun. You know, the times I kind of struggled or put the pressure on myself to succeed, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't what we wanted to do, you know, kind of some rough games. And I, uh, I can pick out a game up in Cincinnati, just not a, not a good game for me. And I think I was just, you know, putting the pressure on myself to, to do some, some more than I needed to. But yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. And then yeah, just go out and be me. Have the Mariners given you any insight on on whether you'll lean towards catcher, lean towards outfielder, or are you just going in preparing for anything? I'm prepared for anything. The inside is all, you know, play a little left, play a little right, catch a little bit, and DH a little bit. There was a brief mention of first base, but I think that was just kind of like, oh, you've done it before. Like, make sure you just have the glove. <laughs> uh, granted, we also have uh, Fran Ty France and – and uh, Evan White over there, and you know, I bet you any other of the infielders can throw a glove on if we need them to. 
but and, and Cal, I'm sure can do it. Yeah, it sounds to me like the bulk of the work and stuff that I'll be doing is behind the plate and in the outfield net, you know, DH. Regardless, though, it sounds like you're bringing all the gloves and all the mitts to every game just in case. Oh, my bag is packed. Like, (laughs) it's freaking Costco in that bag. (laughs) Cooper, this has been so fun to get to know you a little bit. Thanks a lot for the time. We really appreciate it. We can't wait to see you in a few weeks. Can't wait to see you then. We're really glad to be on. There it is, newest Mariner, Cooper Hummel. We'll come back with more Hot Stove coming up right after this. Welcome back to the Hot the Stove. Hot Gary stove Hill, show. Shannon Dreher with you as we have a chance to catch up with one of the absolute best in the game from the Houston Astros radio team. It's Steve Sparks. Sparky, is great to chat again. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. It's been kind of a short offseason as well for you guys. But uh, I can't wait. It's just around the corner now to get back to spring training and look forward to another season. And if if you guys are like us, we we feel the American League West is going to be a dogfight the whole way. It's so funny. I was just thinking about the last time we saw you, of course, was that marathon game in Seattle. (laughs) We were just talking to Paul Seawald. He said he felt like they were never going to win and never lose that game. It just kept going. Does part of you think you'd still be in Seattle with that game being played? It would just never end. (laughs) I thought we'd be there right now. Yeah, we didn't think uh, (laughs) it was ever going to end. I've never seen such a well-pitched baseball game, both Mm -hmm. sides. Uh, and to see Kirby step up uh, as a rookie, I remember texting a couple of you guys even during the game just saying, man, how impressive as he uh, in that type of atmosphere to go out there and pitch the way he did. Uh, there was a, a lot to be admired in that game from both sides. It really was. And, uh, you know, it could have gone either way, that series. I mean, everybody's well aware that, you know, the Mariners could have swept the Astros just as easily. This seems like a question I should be asking towards the end of this, but I'll go ahead and ask it. It's one that we get the most, um, and this will be Mm -hmm. from a different perspective. Uh, Have the Mariners closed the gap at all with the Astros, or how much do you think they have? What do you see? I think so. You know, when you start to look at what's going on in the division, and you look, okay, has this team improved? Has this team improved? Obviously, the Rangers have improved. I think, obviously, the Mariners have improved in a couple of different ways, not only, you know, with the addition of Tay Oscar and Colton Wong, but also just with a little playoff experience and maturation with, with George Kirby and Logan Gilbert to a couple of guys I love and get a full year of Luis Castillo. So definitely improved. So the Astros, when you look at it, I think offensively they improved just by the additions of Michael Brantley signing back and giving them a little bit more balance in their lineup. But Jose Abreu, I think, is a fantastic addition. So offensively, I think the Astros have improved. But you can't help but think that they've taken a step back when you lose a Cy Young Award winner with Verlander. So we'll see what you know what Hunter Brown has in store. You know, a lot of people feel like he can step in and do a great job in the rotation, but he's not Justin Verlander. You know, and uh, whether or not he's ever Justin Verlander remains to be seen. Probably not. Who is? But uh, I don't know. We'll see. You know, I think what it's going to determine more than anything, Shannon, is who stays the healthiest for the longest. And when you play deep into the into October, year after year after year, that's when you have to get really creative and very smart about resting your players during the course of the season. I remember in 2016, it was a year after the Astros made the playoffs for the first time. Uh, they got 
they got down uh, in 2016 and they played catch up the entire season and they really wiped out their bullpen. And I'm kind of wondering in the back of my mind, did the Mariners have to push their relievers a little extra, you know, the last two months of the season to make that push to make sure they got into the playoffs? And will they see a little bit of residue from that? We'll see. Uh, I've got a lot of confidence that Scott Service did uh, his utmost best and and, and you guys would know more than me, but I remember the Astros went through that, and those guys' tongues were hanging out at the very end of that season, and they didn't make it. It was a really interesting lead-up to that, too, because the Mariners had that struggle in September, and they weren't actually able to get to their high-leverage relievers for about a span of about 10 days. And I sometimes wonder if that had a little bit to do with what we saw, that they got a little bit out of routine at that point, and then it was turned up pretty quickly once the postseason began. That's possible. You know, and we were wondering, too, you know, were the Astros going to get rusty from having to sit out that first week, you know, right after the regular season? Because, you know, like you said, it's the routine that guys really rely on to, to feel good. But I, I don't think you really know. I think it's just a case by case, you know, and, and you try to figure out ways. And I think that's when you lean on your training staff and your strength trainers and all those guys to, to figure out ways to keep guys sharp and, you know, and then you're, you're going to lean a lot on your depth too. You know, is is Bryce Miller or Emerson Hancock? Those guys are they going to be, you know, integral parts of the team this year and, and provide that depth that they might need, you know, at some point, or spell a guy or two to to give them a blow uh, when they most need it. But the Astros have gotten creative in that way from time to time. Uh, they've got everybody in their bullpen back. They feel good about that, and uh, rotation wise, it's. They, I don't think anybody hardly needs it the first month of the season, but after the first month of the season, the Astros really flourished, I think, because they were able to utilize a six-man rotation and give Verlander a lot of rest and a lot of guys a chance to recover. And not only a chance to recover, but maybe to push them uh, an extra inning or so every once in a while uh, when it was their turn in the rotation to give the bullpen a blow. You alluded to Verlander, which I think is so interesting because most teams losing a reigning Cy Young Award winner, it would be a devastating blow. It doesn't seem to be, though, when you look at the Astros rotation on paper. When you look at Valdez and Javier and up and down the rotation, how much growth do you think is still in there for that young, the young part of the rotation? Yeah, well, we, we can... I think Luis Garcia has a chance to, to take a couple of more steps forward. Uh, certainly Javier. I mean, it's never really been pushed innings-wise yet, so uh, I, I think they're going to count on him to, to get a little deeper in games. And as we see him mature, we see him start to throw less pitches to get out, which which is helpful. But, yeah, you, you look at, you know, Framber Valdez and uh, Jose Urquidy, now Hunter Brown and Lance McCullers, it rounds out to, to six guys that are good candidates to, to to kind of mix and match a little bit and maybe skip a guy every once in a while or stick a guy on a Phantom IL or whatever you need to do to keep guys going. But I, I like the I like the six man rotation. So and here's the here's one of the reasons why, Gary, is guys aren't pitching like Greg Maddox anymore. I mean, I can't think you know, Marco Gonzalez is, is the closest guy I could think of in our division that really, you know, pitches with feel, you know, and changes speeds and, and, and moves the ball around. But everybody else, 
I think he's airing it out for the most part. So I think an extra day of recovery is helpful to get guys to the finish line. Um, so I think a six-man rotation is something that we we might start to see the way the guys just pitch now. Yeah, especially with a team like Houston where – the goal is and the expectation is uh, the season doesn't end at the final final day of the regular season this is a team that wants to play another month after right yeah yeah you're right so i mean they, they've done it so it's been eight years now seven of the last eight years that the astros have played pretty deep you know and in, in six lcs's in a row and four world series so yeah they do expect that and how could you not you know and so these players go in there and I don't know if it's cocky or confident or whatever, but they prepare and, and they hold guys back in spring training because they have one less month of recovery, mm. number one. But number two is they, they, they plan on, on doing it again. So we'll see. You know, right now the window appears to still be open because of the influx of those young Latin American pitchers that you talked of in the rotation. And uh, right now, it, it looks like their offense might be a little bit better, too. So, But, you know, w- when it all comes to push and shove, the Astros were very healthy last year. And to count on that type of health year after year uh, isn't very smart. you got to have some depth. Okay, so you're giving us the blueprint for what to do after that first year of getting there and that extra time and yeah. the extra energy that is expended. That's all good for the players. What do we do as, as broadcasters? <laughs> As broadcasters, I, I think you just you show up uh, as prepared as you can and hang on for 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 dear life. You know, <laughs> you, you never know what you never know what's going to happen on a daily basis. That's what we love about it, isn't it? So, uh, I, I think that's one of my favorite things about us. You know, and, and we've been doing this now for uh, a little over a decade together. Is being able to get a chance to you know hang out for thirty minutes before a game and talk about each other's teams and. and catch up on each other's lives and see what everybody's doing. But, you know, cultivating those relationships and getting some inside stories on the other teams too is exciting to me because it's interesting, you know, and it's, you know, it gets boring sometimes just talking about the same guys, your guys all the time. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's the, that's the most fun part about uh, playing your divisional uh, opponents. You know, we're playing each other less now, but, Man, we know each other pretty well, don't we? I mean, I know yeah. <laughs> I, I could rattle off 10 guys in your your minor leagues right now just because I try to keep track of what's to come, too. So it's funny. I know the Mariners have to be excited, you know, and I think DePoto and Scott Service, all, everybody involved, the front office. Um, and I've even sat with guys in the media dining, some of the scouts and stuff. I think everybody's pointing to a, a nice long run for the Mariners to, to be contenders year after year. What about on your end? Some curious things. And we, we were getting inklings of it when we were in Houston at the end of the year, but some big changes in the front office, uh, running without a GM right now. It looks like they're putting yeah. Jeff Bagwell out as the face of all this, who's certainly a lot more conventional and traditional, it sounds like, than the numbers. Ba- What's going on? Where is this going? And what is behind it? I think, you know, I'm not sure when you guys are going to run this, but I think sometime this week, and this is just my opinion, but I, I starting to hear some rumbling. I think they're going to announce a new GM this week. So it's probably, probably by the time this airs, you know, maybe Thursday or Friday, the Astros are going to have uh, an announcement and put somebody at the helm and and we'll kind of go from there. And and I I think more than anything, there's three assistant general managers that have kind of been running things the day to day right now. 
and, and to line things up, what they need to do uh, in player development and to get guys in, in situations and who to bring to spring training and things of that nature, because you have, you have to have done that by now. So whoever's going to walk in is probably going to be an observer for a couple months. I, that's the way I would probably play it if I was the new GM and, and try to assess what we have, not only as personnel on the field, but off the field too, and, and kind of go from there. It sounds like, you know, I'm not sure and things might change, you know, uh, that might be an opportunity for this next GM to hire his own manager, you know, after a year or two, I don't know how much longer Dusty wants to do this, but uh, right now he's on another one year contract, but um, I don't know. I, I just don't think there's a whole lot to mess with right now. And I think there was a personality conflict with the, with the last GM. I think he did a great job and, you know, he, he led the team to a world series championship. What, what, what else can you say? But I think when, when push comes to shove, there's styles, and there's personalities involved in, in all walks of life, and uh, those two didn't mesh that well. You mentioned player development, which I think is the most important thing a team can be doing in the game right now, whether it's a young player or a veteran player or a minor leaguer. You've been around this game for a long time. You've been around the Astros for a long time, and they've been as good or better than everyone in baseball with player development the last number of years. The results kind of speak for themselves. What's interesting, when you look at the last few years now, there's been turnover with GM. Some of the guys have gone to Baltimore. Strom has gone. There's been a lot of churn how difficult is it to keep the continuity and what has worked so well with the comings and goings of of staff what's kind of interesting about that is when they were trying to turn over from a hundred loss team and try to get things going the blueprint was it's got to start with the farm system and the farm system was last and in the major leagues at the time when when jeff luno took over and when they took this plan together to try to turn things around. He said, the only way we can have sustained success was to have a good minor league system like the Mariners do now. I mean, they've got a lot of guys and I'll be darned if the Astros weren't able to turn it around and and get within the top five within a year and a half and then start to turn out some guys. And I had to look this up and I think it was during the Mariners season in the division series last year that I realized because Pena was playing so well in the playoffs, I looked it up anticipating that he might finish in the top five in rookie of the year. And he did. It's eight of the last nine years now that the Astros have had a player finish in the top five of rookie of the year. Wow. And it goes back to Colin McHugh, Chris Davinsky, Alvarez and Correa both won it. But Luis Garcia, Kristen Javier, Jeremy Payne. I'm missing a couple, but my point is it wasn't Bregman or it wasn't Tucker, a couple of first rounders. It was guys they developed or they brought over in a, they tweaked it and they made better. So I say that because of this. The Astros aren't in the top half of farm systems now, but they're still developing players who who don't seem to skip a beat when they get to the big league level, including Jeremy Pena, who was the World Series MVP last year. And whatever they're doing as far as development, and I can give you a short little story. This is a quick one, but I had a scout tell me that he was watching some young pitchers in A-ball a few years ago for the Astros, and they were throwing sliders and breaking pitches on 2-0 and and 3-1 and every single time. And more times than not, they walked them, and they were out of the game by the third or fourth inning because they reached their pitch count. And they were getting high fives when they went in the dugout. It was like they didn't care <laughs> that they walked these guys. 
And I'll be darned if that wasn't Chris and Javier, that wasn't Luis Garcia, Jose Urquidy, and Framber Valdez, guys that do that routinely at the big league level now. So they're developing these guys to do what they need to do at the big league level despite the results in the minor league side. Sparky, that is some great insight. We appreciate the visit. The The only thing that makes me sad about the new schedule is we get to see you a little bit less this upcoming season, but we'll still see you a lot, so I'm looking forward to we it. We will. Yeah, we'll take advantage of it then. So, you know, <laughs> sometimes acid makes the, the heart grow uh, a little more fond, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Thanks, Sparky. We appreciate it. Great talking to you guys. Take care. There it is, Steve Sparks from the Houston Astros broadcast team. Looking for a great spot to catch the big game? Come out to Hatback Bar and Grill, located across from T-Mobile Park. Great food and beer, plus free parking. It's a great place to be. Visit hatback.com to make a reservation. We come back. We have so much more hot stove coming your way right after this. The Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. Here is the stretch. The 3-2 pitch swing and a drive. Deep to right field. Stay fair. Holy smokes, he did it. Off the hit in air cafe. Cal Raleigh with a walk-off home run. How sweet it is. The Mariners end the 20-year drought on a walk-off home run by Cal Raleigh. They win the ball game 2-1. And the Mariners are going. Cal Raleigh, we'll get to that in just a moment. Welcome back. Hot Stove here every Tuesday, 7 to 9. If you missed anything tonight, you can catch up tomorrow on Mariner's Pod, wherever you find your podcasts. The Mariner's promo schedule just dropped as well, jam-packed with can't-miss giveaways, a Julio Bobble, a J.P. Funko Pop, the Clinch Cal Bobble, which is very timely. A Gino bottle opener, seven fireworks nights and more. Check out the full lineup and get your tickets at Mariners.com slash promotions. Thanks for being here with us. And you get a fun surprise as we have a special surprise guest with us tonight. Speaking of the clinch and Cal Raleigh, we have Cal Raleigh on the line with us tonight. I want to start with this. I, I don't know of any other way to ask this, but... How has your life changed since you've become kind of a Seattle folk hero? <laughs> I uh, I don't I, I wouldn't say nothing's really changed. I just say a lot more people will recognize my face these days, and uh, you know I get a lot of congratulations and uh, a lot of uh, thank yous and all that good stuff. But what does that mean to you when you hear that from people? It means a lot, you know, I, you know, whether it's getting a message uh, through social media or, you know, seeing somebody on the street and, you know, especially people from Seattle and, you know, hearing how much it means to them that the drought's over and how much where they were and how they've been a fan through, you know, the past 20, 21 years of the drought. And, you know, to hear that just, it made me happy that, you know, not just me, but, you know, the team could, you know, pull it off and, uh, we could uh, we could bring back playoff baseball to Seattle. The home run that you hit, how long did it take for it to sink in? 
how big that was for the region, for the fans. I'm going to be honest, I don't even know if it's completely sat in <laughs> yet. Mm. Uh, it's, um, you know, I still kind of get goosebumps thinking about it and just thinking about how special that moment was with everybody. And It's so fun to look at the video and look at your face as you round first base. What was going through your mind in that moment? Honestly, I don't even know what was going through my head. I was just kind of... It was just so crazy and so, I mean, just thinking about so many things going on and seeing the different. And the one thing I remember is just seeing the different faces of everybody when I was looking at towards the dugout and seeing everybody's reaction and then kind of rounding first and looking up towards the left field bleachers and just seeing everybody go crazy. And I just kind of put my hands on the head and was like, oh, my God, I can't believe that just happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, when you think back, it, obviously there was that moment. What what are kind of the other moments that stick out during that entire run last year? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a bunch of moments. You know, there's some there's some good moments, there's some bad moments, but that's kind of what makes a 162 game uh, season uh, so uh, special. Um, you know, I think about you know the. The crazy game we had in New, uh, series we had in New York against the Mets, when we took two or three from them, and uh, they were kind of rallying a late inning. I think of you know when we were in Texas and we finished out right before the All Star break, going on that uh, fourteen was a fourteen game win streak. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of them. I think I think back to you know multiple walk offs, uh, whether it was you know. Gino or whether it was uh, Julio or, you know, stuff like that. And, um, obviously, that was uh, super, super crazy, super special. You know, Carlos is another one who's uh, who came through in the clutch and just how many of those close, tight games we had. How much did you learn about yourself last year? I learned a lot. You know, you go through some, like I said, some ups and downs, especially in those long seasons. And, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it's not always easy, so especially getting sent down and, you know, kind of having to reset and kind of figure out, you know, where do we go from here? And, um, you know, I think it was all in all is for the better. Given everything you did, all the success you had last year, how do you go into this season? How are you thinking about this year for you individually? I don't think we try to come out and do too much. I think uh, we have a good plan. We have a good system. And I feel like guys are going to be on the same page again and know what we need to do. And um, I think we go play. Um, you know, I don't think – I think the worst thing we do is try to press or try to do more. I think uh, we have a good plan in place and just let our guys go play and let the rest take care of itself. Um, obviously, we know we we have some, some work to do to catch up to the Astros, obviously in division, but – um, you know, that just comes comes with the territory. So we'll be ready to go by spring training, and I think everybody understands the goal this year. I got to be honest. There were times we knew you were dealing with the thumb in your hand, and there were times the last few weeks where – you know, you get a Castillo 99-mile-per-hour fastball, and we were wincing looking at, at what you were dealing with, what you were going through. How did you do that, given the severity of the injury you had and catching? We know what a brutal position that is. How difficult was that down the stretch? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it wasn't easy. But, you know, I think kind of what pushed me through was just, you know, knowing knowing my uh my teammates and all the you know staff and the fans and 
everybody in the organization, you know, they're counting on us and, you know, uh, I just wanted to do my part and just try to help the team out any way I could. And, uh, especially down that stretch when we were so close to getting in and, uh, to keep advancing in the playoffs. We talked so much about what you did offensively, but man, you had a great year behind the plate and you had a great pitching staff to catch. How much fun is that staff? Just the pure stuff that you get to catch each and every day. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's very disgusting. The kind of stuff we have, uh, you know, whether it's the rotation or the, or the bullpen. So they're, uh, it was a special group and, you know, we're going to have some guys coming back and some new faces as well. And, you know, I'm really excited to get, to get back into it and to, uh, to catch these guys with a healthy thumb. This may be an impossible question, but you get to see all of these firsthand. Who's got the nastiest pitch on the staff? One that you really wouldn't want to face very often. I don't know. That's a tough question to answer. Cause they're all, you know, special in their own ways. Mm. Uh, you know, we got a lot of a lot of different different looks. I think that's something that we do a good job of. We have different guys that do different things really well, and uh, I think uh, that's what kind of makes our guys unique. One of the one of the great videos that came from the run, <laughs> the elementary school <laughs> celebrating. You went and visited the elementary school, didn't you? The classroom? I did. I did. I did yeah. <laughs> you got to tell us about that, about seeing them in person. It was awesome. Uh, you know, I had somebody, I can't remember who it was, showed me the video. It might have been my mom, but uh, just seeing them chant the name and them watching the playoff <laughs> game and how happy they were, I, I I knew I had to go I had to go see those guys and surprise them. And, you know, uh, I'm glad I got to do that for them. So I was in the team store the other day and, you know, all the jerseys are hung up and you see everyone's jerseys there, including a big dumper jersey is now hanging up in the Mariners team shop. So when did you embrace the nickname? I guess I've I've had the nickname now since I got called up, but I guess it didn't really kind of catch on until (laughs) uh, middle middle of the year this past season. So, um, you know, it's not it's not the nickname I thought was going to be. I embraced it. I embrace it, and uh, it's. Uh, I'll take anything I can get. What are you most excited about for next year, looking ahead? Yeah, I'm just excited to build off what we did this past year. Um, you know, as great as it great as it was at the time, and everything like that. I think uh, we all know what what challenge lies ahead, and you know, now we kind of have a target on our backs, and people uh, kind of know about us now. So, um, you know, we're going to come out and come ready to play every every single day and you know like i said try to get back to the playoffs because it's never easy and once we get there you know we uh we know what we have to do now well cal it was really great to catch up i hope you enjoy the rest of your off season can't wait to see you in in the spring thanks again for the time we really appreciate it for sure thank you all right, there it was Cal Raleigh. We'll come back. Shannon Dreyer and I will wrap things up here as Hot Stove continues right after this. The Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. And now the 3-2 on the way to Cal. Swing and a drive into right field. This one is going. It is going. It is gone. Goodbye baseball. Cal Raleigh. A two-run home run has just 
shock the fans here at Rogers Center. It's now the Mariners three and the Blue Jays nothing. We are in the top of the first inning. Number 28 on the year for Cal and number one in the postseason for Cal Raleigh. A three nothing Mariner lead and holy smokes and a mile my what an at bat by Cal Raleigh. Back one final time. It's the hot stove. You can catch us every Tuesday night, 7 to 9 p.m. Oh, Shannon, I really enjoyed catching up with Cal Raleigh. <laughs> He's a celebrity now. You think about and the further we get removed, I think, Shannon, from the clinch, the home run that clinched it. I mean, that's a top five, top three, top two. Wherever you put it in Mariners history, and everyone maybe has it in a different spot, but it's one of the great moments in this franchise's history. Without question. You can close your eyes and see the whole thing in front of you yeah. just at, at any point. And the hand over the head, oh my gosh, what have I done, is just one of the greatest shots, I think, uh, ever. But um, it, it's been so fun to watch his path, to see yeah. uh, the responsibility he's taken on, uh, the accountability that he has taken on, that yes, he will handle this pitching staff. Yes, he will manage two swings. And oh, by the way, he's got Hero in the back pocket mm-hmm. as well. And then the stuff that he's done in the community and he has quickly become a fan favorite and i'll tell you this much my mom patty dreyer got a cal raleigh jersey for christmas nice <laughs> that was the one and uh, it's i think we'll see a lot of those down in spring training but what a, a, not just a good player but a fun player to watch as well no doubt and it's just another lesson and it's a lesson that we all learn all the time about patience in this game as well cal raleigh a guy who was sent down early in the season because he was struggling and he comes up and was a big reason why the Mariners did what they did and not just the big moment but everything that led up to the moment he was such a big bat for the Mariners throughout the season I spoke with him in season and probably about mid-season and he just kind of laughed I had him talking about Logan and he said that they you know at night as they were roommates would talk quite a bit about we learn something different every day mm-hmm. at the big league level. It was something new every day, and you, that shouldn't be discounted. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, I think that when you see how young catchers are brought along, it can take a long time. And this that was a pretty incredible acceleration for everything that was on his plate. And it'll be very interesting to see how he translates that into his second season. I had so much fun in this show. I think we learned so much. The, uh, Cooper Hummel was fantastic. I mean, how excited is he to be a Mariner? Uh, Dave Cameron was amazing. This was a. I really enjoyed this one. Oh my gosh, there was no like. There were plenty of questions. It was not hard to come up with questions, and there were eye-opening things. I'm looking forward to meeting Cooper Hummel in person. Now that we know, yeah, you know, we mentioned at the top of the show, it's time we've got to meet him, and it was great to meet him. Let's meet him down in Arizona. The Dave Cameron. Uh, really eye-opening in some of the things that he was talking about and how the Mariners and the rest of baseball, we know all about the numbers and the metrics, and but they're really taking it to a, a new place, it would seem, mm. with what they're doing. Uh, and I, I can't wait to get into more of that. Um, always good to catch up with uh, the skipper and uh, Sparky. What can I say? I mean, the knowledge there, and that's got me thinking, and I'm going to go back and listen to that again and just kind of find that blueprint. What kind of comes next? Really some interesting kind of tips and tidbits for where the Mariners are, it would seem. And the Dave Cameron play-by-play is going to be my highlight of the spring. <laughs> there's there's no question. He's not getting out of that. No, no, that's happening. That's happening. He seems into it. I think 
I think it's legit. I think he's ready. Well, he said he thought maybe he would be talk radio, that he did uh-huh. not think See? did not think uh, front office. We gave him time. He can think about it. And, I think that was yeah. nice. So you don't just spring it on right. him. Yes. Yeah. Because next time he's in the booth, here. You're putting him in the chair. Here's the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Go get him. <laughs> Thanks, Shannon. This was This was fun. I think we should do it again. Uh, next week. All right. Tuesday? Yes. Seven to nine. <laughs> right here. I think I'm free. Okay, good. Hatback Bar and Grill is Soto's go-to spot for delicious bites and brews. Open for lunch and dinner every day, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. No better atmosphere to watch your favorite team. Check out the menu and tap list at hatback.com. We will be uh, back next week, seven to nine. Thanks for being with us. That's it for tonight. For Shannon Dreyer, Gary Hill, so long. We'll talk to you next week.